my name is Jin Ding. I am a program manager at the International Women's Media Foundation currently. Um, I came to the U.S. in 2011 um, as a student. Um, I enrolled in a field degree program at the uh, State University of New York College in Portland. Um, and I spent um, half of my uh, master's degree in um, upstate New York and then the other half in London. I have a sport journalism background, but I studied uh, sport management in America. Afterwards, I kind of, you know, stayed in journalism industry, worked for NBC News, um, uh, NBC Sports, and um, Pulitzer Center, and now at my current position. Really glad to be here. Thank you so much, Zane, for making your time on this podcast. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, actually, uh, uh, actually, Jean and I had uh, the first conversation about, you know, uh, where, where I proposed Jean to be in our podcast like eight months ago. But then because you are based in D.C. and we are based in New York, so it, it did not seem to be possible. But, but now with the pandemic, we know that everything is everything is possible virtually yeah. as well. So <laughs> we are making the most <laughs> out of this scenario this current situation and we are finally able to get your time in the podcast <laughs> yeah absolutely um i still remember vividly of us having the first conversation and i can't believe like you know i i switched the job right after we had that conversation it's been eight months yeah. um and i can't believe how fast the time travels at the same time you know we've been in lockdown for um three four months now and it's unbelievable right yeah. and jane how are you holding up with this current uh, pandemic i think it's very interesting for me because as a chinese um my still uh, my entire family are in china so i literally this is my second run you know like everyone is for you guys are the first run but like i uh, was closely watching what happened in china since january and, um, you know, my family went through the whole lockdown period and I was very worried for them, uh, you know, a mid of the night, I would check the numbers in China and I would be like on my phone reading news, cannot sleep. Um, that was like, you know, in February for me. And um, then in March, my family are able to walk around in China and I started the lockdown. Um, so it's it's round two for me. And I don't know how I feel about that because it's slowly getting to a point that I'm just so sick of being at home every day. Um, I just, uh, you know, I just don't want to resume normal activities, but it's not safe. We hope things get back to normal at the earliest possible. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, it's interesting that every other country are talking about the second wave, but we're still in the first wave in America. Um, and, you know, with um, like protests are going on and with, you know, um, like elections are coming up. Um, I just don't think we're going to get out of it this year <laughs> until there is a vaccine, which I hope the vaccine will come very soon. Let's, let's keep our fingers crossed. Right. <laughs> now let's get into our podcast. Right now you're working as a program manager at International Women's Media Foundation. So what does your role and duties as a program manager is at your organization? International Women's Media Foundation is a organi- nonprofit organization that supports women journalists uh, through you know, training, through grants, through awards. 
and just giving more opportunities to women journalists that are, you know, currently probably not traditionally being given to them in the past in media. Uh, my role there as a program manager, um, I primarily just oversees all their grants and uh, award uh, selection processes and also running the program that um, are related to grants and awards. Jin, when you were uh, new in the United States, um, how, how difficult was the process or how easy was the process of navigating your path to make a career in the United States in the sector you are interested in? I think I always had this uh, problem of like, I want to do something, but I just could not get there with, you know, the immigration status, with um, uh, the limitation of my language abilities in the early days, and with, you know, limited resources we have as immigrants. So uh, when I first came to America, even though with the journalism background in China, I initially thought I would be mostly doing you know sports um, and a management job uh, which is really what I wanted to do after my master's degree um, in international sport management um, but unfortunately that was not possible at the moment just because you know it's really hard for first it's really hard for women to get a job in sports and then like a woman of color and also at the same time I'm a foreigner I'm not really um, in, like I don't really understand American sports as well um, because America do like the major sports most of them are not as internationally uh, accepted um, adopted um, as well so I grew up you know with soccer with you know um, just all the things that are, like are not in major leagues right. um, so um, that wasn't that was a really hard start um, that eventually I turned back to journalism uh, which is, you know, sort of kind of I tried to walk away from journalism at the beginning and it didn't work. So I, I leaned back to kind of my comfort spot, spot which is journalism. Mm -hmm. um, I definitely think it, it was difficult, uh, no matter what, just the being, you know, not in a STEM field as an immigrant, being able to even just to get an H-1B visa was difficult. Um, and I'm not a full-time journalist, so I don't really, you know, I don't really even have the chance to publish as much to be qualified for O-1 visa. Um, I think visa was a huge burden on me for over the years, even until today. Um, so yeah, like I, I think it, it's it's a difficult start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Definitely, I, I don't want to live through that time again. <laughs> <laughs> right. How did you set your foot uh, in, in the professional, you know, uh, scenario in America? I was very fortunate to um, receive the help from my uh, university using our alum ne network in the beginning. And that was how I landed my first internship at NBC. Um, which was through alum network and the professor's recommendation, you know, basically, um, like they hold my hands, like I wish I, I, I still until today, I would say I owe like a SUNY Cortland for everything. Um, they had the best international students program. They supported every one of us, um, you know, uh, through every step and just learning how to write cover letters, write resumes in English. Um, that are suited for like American jobs. That's that's a learning experience. And then, um, you know, learning how to secure a job, how to do the job interviews, and being able to like 
get the for my first internship at NBC was a huge um you know lift from like the weight for lift from my shoulder because without that I would I would say I don't even have a chance to even stay in America to do journalism right and do you remember how you cracked that internship at NBC I remember I think it's so funny because I actually um 2012 I was in London and I uh, worked for a Chinese newspaper, which also is the same one that I used to work for before I left to China as a, a Olympics correspondent, just to basically like they were taking advantage that I was already in London for school. And I have been working with them. They know my work history. Um, so they hired me as the Olympic correspondent. So with that knowledge, I ha was naturally a fit for the NBC sports uh, position um, to understand their market um, because uh, NBC is um, the Olympic channel uh, for you know American audience and I know Olympics better than a lot of I guess a lot of of my competitors at the same time you know my background in journalism which suits very well with what they do as like a sport news network so that was in the year 2013 when you were interning at NBC Sports right and coming yeah. coming this far to today, which is 2020, 2020, uh, you are working as a program manager. The reason I'm looking this side is because I have my notes on this side of the screen. <laughs> so today you're working as a program manager at the International Women's Media Foundation. So, you know, like Anuz and I, we were, we, we, we were talking to like, you know, each other, looking at your rich profile of experiences, one can see that you have, you know, you started your career in sports journalism. You did your graduate program in sports management, which until, well, I had no clue that there could be a degree in sports management as well. It is very new um, for Chinese. So when I came to the States in 2011, I think China only have probably two programs in sport management. And I, back to then, I probably only know a handful of Chinese who have done sport management degree overseas in America. Oh, I see. Okay. So basically, over the time, you have, you know, kind of switched your gears uh, around different facets of communication and media. You're still in media and communication, but you are playing around with different kinds of roles, uh, like higher positions and different kinds of challenges. Like, for example, you have been, you know, um, going around taking new roles in marketing as a project coordinator, as a marketing coordinator then as a communications manager and now as a program manager. So I was just curious to know, you know how you decide when is the right time for a new switch. The switches in my career um, sort of came naturally um, in some way because, um, you know, uh, when I first started at the Pulitzer Center, I was working as a special projects coordinator and the projects are, that I was working on, which is a grant that's uh, related with China. And then very quickly, I think I just uh, started noticing if I want to have a career in nonprofit journalism in America, China is going to be a very small cake, piece of cake on this like really huge cake. So um, in order to, you know, break into the major market, I think I always try to push myself into 
thinking what are my skills and what how can I apply my skills into the bigger market? That's why I um, internally basically asked our leadership um, back at the policy center that whether or not they are they would consider me as their first the marketing person, uh, which also taking advantage of me having you know um, design experience. Um, from China, and I was pretty good at you know printing design because I was um, back to the day when journal school still had you know focus. I was a newspaper focused um, journalist um, major, so I I learned everything about InDesign back days, and I know how to do book publishing because I I had some side gigs with uh, um, book um, like designers so i i quickly learned that you know like if i want to apply that skill how how can i do that um within the current organization which i was also limited by um, my visa that you know if i need to transfer to another organization it's just gonna be a lot of burden um so just to work with what i have at the moment i thought you know marketing is the right um direction at least the, at that moment and then you know i worked in the marketing and comms position for another two three years and started noticing that you know um i don't really want working a comms position um like forever um especially this if you really want to break into communications you do need to have like really good you know uh english writing skills that which i think it's really not my strength um, until this day. Um, I I still feel like, you know, every time when I need to write something, I need, you know, like literally calm myself down before I can actually get on a Google sheet. So um, I feel that's not what I want to do. Um, at the same time, I think I also found my passion in inclusion and diversity work. Um, that's how I switched my gear into an inclusion manager. Um, uh, with them um, and really you know by a, like able to identify the problem within the organization and knowing I am like equipped um, knowing that I can go learn and equip myself to fitting that position um, that was you know uh, very interesting for me and I always think like I'd like to take that kind of challenge um, to push myself a little bit further because you know as an immigrant I don't think I have the privilege just to sit around you know, like just do whatever I have, um, like like take the same job forever. Um, that's just not my personality as well. So um, those transitions kind of just uh, like naturally happened. And then, you know, once I started to find inclusion is my passion um, with International Women's Media Foundation, now my job, you know, are solely about pushing women's career and in journalism. And I think that's just a, a one step further, uh, like built on what I have accomplished at the Policy Center. Um, so yeah, like happy to be in the current position. I've never done, you know, press freedom advocacy work in the past. And um, as a Chinese, you know, it's just the kind of naturally I'm in a disadvantage in this position um, to speak up. But at the same time, I am learning how to do those things. I'm learning how to speak up for Asian American in journalism um, by, you know, uh, my affiliation with the Asian American Journalism Association and knowing, you know, I, I, I will be able to make the further steps if I want to just to continue pushing um, in this track 
Um, I don't know whether or not I'm gonna switch track again. Who knows? Like I feel like um, as an immigrant, just like literally go with the flow. Whatever happens next, will happen. And at the same time, you know, uh, try to make the current situation uh, work as much as possible to my advantage. And then I want to take you back again to a Pulitzer Center. Uh, how do you, you know, make yourself skillful so that you could smoothly uh, climb that corporate ladder? I don't think I actually mastered that yet. Um, <laughs> I, I definitely, you know, struggled a lot in the beginning of my career, knowing, not really knowing how to negotiate at all, and not knowing um, what my value is, like, like how much I value for the company. I always felt like I'm an immigrant, like I'm at a disadvantage. They're paying my visa, they're paying my green card. <laughs> like, there's so much money they're already spending on me. Can I ask for more? I think um, uh, until I recent years, I think finally I'm like, okay, I do think I have some value with all the institutional knowledge. I have all the, you know, I am very driven. So I know I, I work really hard and I know that, you know, um, they can trust me. I'm very trustworthy. Um, and with all those things lined up, I was like, maybe I could ask for a little bit more. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, like I think that's just the definitely, um, and I mean like just as as I said, like Asian American Journalism Association was like life changing for me to be able to witness uh, what other people can achieve at the same time knowing, oh actually you know what I could negotiate. That's that's like a like you know the th new door open for me. Um, I haven't still mastered the climbing up the ladder thing. I'm only a manager, and I hope one day I'll become director. So <laughs> by that time, maybe you can ask me that question. <laughs> okay, maybe in our second season, I'm, we're gonna have you again and then ask the same question. You just mentioned about understanding your values. Uh, definitely, I I, I I believe that many of our audience would agree with me. Uh, you know, so we struggle to understand our value. What would your message be? How how can I understand what I am worth. Yeah, I think that's like a question not only, you know, relevant to immigrants, but also as women, as as Asian women who came from a culture that just literally you shouldn't you should not be asking for anything. Um, it's really difficult. I think um, like I at one point I just like there's always a, a slogan basically saying like when you go into a job interview you just think about your uh, what a mediocre white man would ask like I would literally do that all the time and I would always think like like when I want to ask something I always think like is it okay but then the second thought would be like if I'm a guy I would definitely ask that like so um so I always tell me that um, sometimes when I write emails that I don't know whether or not I'm, I'm taking the right tone because I apologize a lot in my emails. I'm sorry. Like I, like I think I'm doing this. Like I don't know whether or not this is correct. But like really having a white like male peer to read your like email response to the HR and he would edit a lot of things out from that email and you would just be like, oh yeah, right. I, I should not apologize. Like I deserve this. And I was just thinking like, this is completely normal that I, you should be entitled to ask those questions. Um, you know, like I, I, I struggle with that, but I think I'm getting better just by every day telling myself I deserve more. <laughs> when do you realize that, you know, when you were asking something, something more, uh, that it would be okay to ask that? 
I think at the one point I um like in the office I become one of the only person stayed as long um as a junior staff. That's the point I was like, wow, I think I worth more because um I I'm just being able to pull that off for the, so many years. I think my lawyers, he said everything, you know, um, and knowing what, like I could not leave um, and knowing like, you know, I am an immigrant, um, you know, all those things fact together. I'm like, well, I think I'm going to ask for more. Any strong message from your personal experience to the newly arriving young immigrants in the United States? Yeah, I think no matter you're new or like, you know, have been in here for a little bit, um, just really think about uh, not only yourself, really think about how you can help other people. Like, don't think like, oh, I'm new, so I could not help others. That's just a wrong start. I, I really believe like, you know, community building. I really believe uh, like, you know, um, getting like, gather a group of people together like um last year we a uh, bunch of like chinese journalists started uh chinese storytellers as a group um really knowing you know by like bulking up your voice that really will make you be heard um that's valuable at the same time you know no matter what kind of position you're in you definitely can you have climbed up some ladder and you should leave that ladder behind for someone else to climb up as well. And really think about that. Um, I can always, you know, um, like, you know, basically uh, connect myself with another immigrant at any moment because, you know, in this country, nothing is easy. And um, being an immigrant, you're naturally in a disadvantage of for so many things. But at the same time, we're also in advantage of so many things. Like we speak different language. We have, may have an accent that only means we're awesome that we speak another language. And we like, you know, we need to go through a visa process, but also at the same time, like I'm worthy of that. Like I, you do, you all do my visa, you all do my, like, you know, um, you'll pay me a higher price, but I'll make sure that my work worth what you asked for. Um, and uh, that two things line up perfectly for immigrants because we know we're all hard workers for us to even survive on this land. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, then at the end, I just came across one of the uh, recent articles you have written where you mentioned about, you know, how um, like American journalists in China, they were evicted, but, which was covered widely. But there are so many Chinese journalists covering in America. Uh, they are also kind of forced to you know, get out of America, but this hasn't been covered yet. Do you want to say something more on that? Yeah, um, definitely. I think um, journalism is a very, you know, uh, traditionally white and Western dominate uh, industry, uh, which is a problem, like, you know, not only in journalism, but also in other places as well. So you will see, you know, um, the hierarchy in journalism has always been there, and it's not really playing in advantage of you know, foreign journalists, especially Chinese journalists, because many of them cannot really practice journalism in China or like cannot have their like deserved bylines on the articles they've worked on as research assistants, you know, um, in those newsrooms. So I do see in the current clash um, between China and the US, um, the, uh, you know, international relationship part. Um, journalism has become a new battlefield um, for both governments uh, that they, uh, Chinese government kicked out American uh, journalists 
U.S. Uh, government has been limiting uh, journalism visa to Chinese nationals. I think those two um, are tied with each other, and it's really disappointing to see the U.S. media, like at least, um, kind of ignored or like not really covering um, the counterparts they have, um, you know, in the um, in in the U.S. for like Chinese journalists. Um, and it's unfortunate, and I would say anyone who has a vote um, in November, do your job, <laughs> because, you know, um, this policy cannot stay. It's kind of, you know, um, basically a huge big back steps that America is taking press freedom in every direction, not only in journalism visa, but also we see that they're targeting, police targeting at journalists in those protests. Like those things need to get be get rid of as soon as possible. And at the end of the podcast, if anybody wants to reach out to you for any career advice, uh, what would be the best way to get in touch with you? Yeah, I'm happy to you know talk with anyone, especially whoever is a journalist of color wants to you know understand more about uh, journalism grants. I can uh, definitely help on there, not only for International Women's Media Foundation's grants, uh, but also you know I've been in like journalism grants uh, field for like seven, eight years now. So I do understand a lot about other grants as well. Um, so feel free to get in touch with me um, off my work email, um, jding at uh, uh, iwmf.org, which is also, it's on my profile page uh, at my job. So feel free to get in touch. Thank you so much for sharing your personal and professional experience. Thanks a lot. Thank you for interviewing me. Um, I really look forward to hear more of your podcast. Thank you so much, Jin. So with that, it's time to say bye-bye. But before we say bye-bye, we have a request to make. So if you have any particular feedback about this episode, feel free to reach out on our Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, even our website podcast at the end of the day.com. And please make sure to subscribe and share the podcast. Hello, I'm Ian Hull from the U.S. Census Bureau. Beginning on March 12th, everyone in the country will be invited to respond to the 2020 Census. You'll have the ability to respond to the Census over the phone, online, or using a paper form. It is incredibly important that everyone is counted. Make sure you, your family members, and your neighbors are counted in this critical Census. We only get one chance every 10 years uh, to conduct the census. This is your chance to be counted.